Um, it was pretty sick, like, heading towards the climax of the movie, where, like, there's been all this music throughout, and then it just, like, goes silent, and I, like, I never really realized how quiet, like, like, Luke, Luke and Darth Vader's fight is, but there's just, like, all the scoring stops, and it's just, like, mostly silence, and that was pretty fucking sick. How, how good was it in the, like, with the live music, in that bit, that really tense scene where Han Solo has diarrhea and he's looking for a bathroom? <laughs> and he's, like, running around the Death Star, like, desperately looking for a bathroom? What? Do you remember that one scene? And they have the really intense, like, um, like, Flight of the Bumblebee type music? How was that live Listen, to hear? dude, you know, you know me, yes and, improv comedy, love it. <laughs> but I think this, I think this particular style was a bit too close to the boy's heart. Um, I will say as well... <laughs> The fucking opening sting of like, cause they, they also, they played the 20th century Fox music as well. Like, so they played oh, that as a cool opener and then like into like the opening Star Wars sting. It was just like so fucking hype the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah you got it, dude. Actually, yeah. hang on, Benjamin, that's yeah. pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. I've been practicing that one my whole life. I remember when we went and saw episode seven at midnight. Uh, mm. and I remember when that oh, first so sting good. hit, it was just too, too intense. Life changing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very good times. This is a tale of a strange and dangerous world. A world known as Carthus. This is an adventure full of magic, hardship, and ale. This is a tale about a world at war and the people who are forced to endure it. From the wounds of battle come three unlikely partners, trying to make sense of something much larger than themselves. But, more than any of that, this is a story about how to win loot and influence dragons. Hello! And welcome back to How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons. It's a D&D 5e actual play for the Curio Network of Podcasts. I'm, as always, your birthday bee, Big B. <laughs> uh, I am your... And, and, and also the Dungeon Master, sorry. Yeah, also, yeah. It's not, it's not specifically a, a birthday vibe. Um, I am your, like, distant celebrating friend, Jackson Newson. Distant in terms of, like, distance, not... Um, yeah, wow, not in terms yeah. of, like, sorry, yeah, emotional, okay, dude. Yeah, I didn't yeah. realize that things had changed no. so dramatically Yeah, listen, yeah, think, something has come between us, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, wow, and it's 3,000 kilometers. I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The I... <laughs> I am your returning the D&D-based uh, favor, <laughs> Thomas Owen... What did that mean? Sorry, what? That you're talking about now. What are you um, trying to... What words were those supposed to be? That That is a cryptic element of foreshadowing. Ah, okay. I, I will touch on that in like five minutes. Yeah, sure. I'm sure the title of this episode won't give it away. <laughs> won't give it away at all. No, no, no. I'm going to make it something deliberately, yeah, not well understood. Hey, do you know it would only take me 741 hours to walk to Sydney? So I've just got Google Maps open. Wow, oh, dude, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. And That's really, how so how how do you measure a year? If I walk two hours a day in pursuit of my good buddy Jackson, I could be there, and that would be what you might call a season of love. Uh, but now here I am derailing yet again, or last... even a season of love. Oh yeah, dude, nice. that would be sweet like honey. Now the last thing that we need to do is, is introduce... let Grace introduce herself. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, buddy. 
I'm your fully digested waffle, Grace Chaffer. Hey! She digested I, the waffle yeah. this time. I'm not sure if I believe that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wouldn't you be softer if you were fully digested? Yeah, certainly. Or as and we know, Grace is very... And squishy. If we know, Grace is very hard and prickly yeah. in yeah. general, by give nature. Me, give me a glass of red wine. Yeah, she'll, yeah. she'll turn nasty again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Uh, hey, should we start doing our podcast, How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons, a D&D 5e actual play for the Curio Network? <laughs> yes. Let's dispense with the recap, because we're going to do something a little different this week. Uh, something, something you know, special and, and, and fun and unique. And we're actually going to flash back in, in the, the HWA timeline to a time when, well, if you're a new listener, this is the first episode you're ever listening to, I won't give too many spoilers. I will simply say, for those who are clued in, Jody and Duncan and Rosilia are in Espera. Jody's childhood home, and the place that we spent a bit of time in our recent regular campaign sessions. You're settling in for, for a rest inside this area, and uh, you're sitting around in, in a, a fortified room and just kind of reflecting. And uh, what, do, what do you think's going on? I think our listeners with keen memories will remember that definitely the most exciting bit about that little rest we had was that Duncan actually started telling the others a story. I do remember you said something about a story. I'm pretty sure yeah, there were there elements. Something like, about a story. You were saying you were saying that he was telling a story about like a bee, was it? Yeah, or like honey yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, honey. Honeys. Duncan Some was talking about the honeys. Yeah, yeah, like Duncan's... a dwarven morality tale yeah. about honey. So I guess Duncan probably said to his companions, "So who wants to hear another one of my stories?" <laughs> <laughs> uh. Does he say it like that? Like, what happened? Is he is he sick? <laughs> That's what he sounds like. Uh, it wasn't my best Duncan voice, I won't lie. This is a little bit more like his normal. Uh, I was a little rusty getting into it there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he turns to it and, well, fuck, now I'm using his character voice for me. Oh, um, no, <laughs> <the> so, <laughs> The realities, they're melting. Um, he turns to Jody and Druzzy and he says, uh, yeah, so do you guys want to hear a story as we camp down for the night? Uh, yes, that sounds like um, a perfectly fine way to, to pass the time. I think Druzzy just... Sits there sharpening daggers. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mm-hmm. respond. <laughs> that seems like her aesthetic. She just le- she lets you proceed. Mm-hmm. Like her mm-hmm. silence is but the biggest she's, affirmation. She's we'll pretending she doesn't really yeah. care, yeah. but she really does. Want to hear yeah. She's the really story. she's really gotten into mm-hmm. them. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. Duncan can read that, and he says, <laughs> "Well, uh, Druzzy, even you're gonna like this one with all your knives, because this this tale involves a creature that's part knife. It's uh, about." <laughs> One. <laughs> thanks, thanks about, for the plot twist, dude. I appreciate that. There you go. It's about one big bee. <laughs> Once a bee's stinger is big enough, what is it if not a knife? <laughs> I love the idea that, like, if you think the first people who encountered bees were like, hey, you know what those are? They're like little flies with knives on them. Yeah, they're tiny knives. <laughs> they're like little flies. <laughs> That's flies with knives. If you're <laughs> oh, God. A small nod. <laughs> and with those responses, I think Duncan turns straight to the camera and says, Welcome to <laughs> Tales of Duncania. This one is the B-Day. We need some theme music. Yeah, yeah. I always put music under these. Oh, yeah. Like the transition music. This one is going to be the flight of bumblebees, though. <laughs> Buzz, buzz, motherfuckers. It's be-lightful to see you here. We hope you find it interest-sting. 
strap in for another mystifying tale of dwarven terror in Tales of Duncania 3 The Bee Day. So we're doing another one of these. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Another Tales of Duncania where we flip the script and rather than me DMing, T's DMing. Uh, these are things we do every now and again, just little like outside of canon specials. So if you haven't ever listened before, you were probably confused a moment ago, but don't worry about it because now it's a one-shot podcast. And if you have listened before, settle in, relax, because guess what? It's my birthday. Uh, this episode is going up on my actual human birthday and we're celebrating it with a special as a gift to me to not have to prepare a session yeah. this And week. also so we don't have to give you a gift. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is the, <laughs> yeah. the gift is your company and your time. Yeah. And if T wants to edit this episode, that could be a pretty good gift. <laughs> 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 we'll talk about that off mic. Yeah. <laughs> that could probably happen, we'll see. Yeah, um, let's, let's get into it. Uh, yeah, so no, I that, that was my silly foreshadowing when I introduced myself, is that I I was kind of realizing that it's actually almost a delightful pattern that people who know me know that I like nerdy things and mm-hmm. get get me nerdy gifts. So I wanted to get you a nerdy gift back. Cause like, in fact, oh fuck. Cause I was gonna, I was gonna mention, I have in my hands at the D&D table for the first time, the player's handbook that ah, I was given just a few weeks ago. At your human birthday. At my human birthday by at least two of the human beings on this podcast. Uh, the other one's in Sydney. So yeah, I'll forgive his lack favorite. of involvement. Um, <laughs> wow. Jacko um, actually listen. got him the hands playbook. That's his yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's also it's also very not safe for work, so don't um, <laughs> don't talk yeah, about it. Yeah. Don't open it at work. Yeah. Add um, some dungeon dice. <laughs> um, oh no, but like the the dungeon dice thing, I actually I was just realizing this now with them sitting here in front of me is that it's not even the first time that someone got me a D and D gift because fucking my dice were a birthday present from that brother I slagged off in the live episode. Who's, <laughs> Always fucking complaining that we don't get the rules right. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, and because I'm always just so touched by these nerdy gifts, I figured this this big B B day themed adventure would be a perfect gift. I for... am so excited for it. I've prepared a character who I love. Do you have a little intro video for us? I certainly it? do. Let me tell you a story of a magical city, the uh, the city of the mine of sweet redemption. There is, on the peak of a glorious mountain, a magical dwarven city, and it sits atop the mine of sweet redemption, from which pours forth gold mined by bees. (laughs) What? It is said long ago that Moradin, god of the dwarves, discovered the beehive in this great mountain, and he looked upon the bees and their industrious nature and their lawful societal composition. And he looked upon them and he said, What are the bees if not the perfect embodiment of the dwarven spirit? And what is honey if not liquid gold? And so Moradin blessed the queen of the bees... And she taught her little bee children how to mine the gold from the mountain. And then atop the mountain, the dwarves built this city atop their mine. The city known for the mine itself. It 
is the city of the mine of sweet redemption. <laughs> it's called the city of the mine of sweet redemption. Exactly. Yeah. Ladies of the harem of the Listen, court. It, it wouldn't be Racticus. Exactly. <laughs> it was named by bees, dude, not by linguists. Like. <laughs> <laughs> The, the city often is known as a major merchant locale because at the peak of the mountain there is a long drop down into the body of the mountain and from out of this cavern fly thousands of bees, each one of them carrying tiny pieces of gold from below. So are they mining gold or honey? They're mining gold. Oh. Yeah, because, they you know, normal bees make honey. These bees mine gold. Because cool. they've been blessed by Moradin. That's cool. And uh, at the top of the mountain, they ship it off. Uh, these tiny pieces of gold that a bee can carry get shipped off in airships <laughs> to the uh, giant kingdoms. Because the giant kingdoms like making big bottles of vodka that have little bits of gold. <laughs> also, I had to ask, are the airships shaped like these? Yeah. <laughs> They're big mechanical bees. So it's the bees that do the gold mining. Are they little bees? Little bees. Regular sized bees. Yeah, and they Jesus. carry up the biggest pieces of gold they could possibly carry up, <laughs> making them the perfect size to go in giant bottles of vodka. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Perfect, dude. And it's it's just a magical place, and school children come from all over. This is like a capitalist dreamland. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> To, to inspire generations of dwarven children, the schools will do tours to this mine of sweet redemption where they go into an observation platform and look upon this reverse cascade of golden bees. Um, the, the embodiment of the dwarven dream. Jesus. And you see, that is... The tale of the mine of sweet redemption that the outside world knows. But inside, there's a different story. For it is not... A different store B? Yes, a different store B. (laughs) Oh, God, please, no. If that is the A plot, then inside there is a B plot. (laughs) Surely that's not the A plot, dude. What is this episode going to be? We're just following the bees, doing some mining. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 it's not, this is, we're getting to the A plot now, that's just nonsense. Also, that's the B plot, because that's the one about bees, Yeah, exactly. idiot. Go on. Inside the mine of sweet redemption, it is not the bees who mine the gold, but prisoners. At the core of the mountain is a high security prison for those who have broken the laws of the Dwarven Kingdoms and defied the natural order as set down by Moradin himself. And those prisoners are forced to work day after day mining gold so that the bees may carry it up for Dwarven prosperity. It's a rowdy, motley bunch. So tell me more about the awful. Dwarven judicial system and how various pe- people end up in this bee jail. Well, they have <laughs> a variety of laws, mm-hmm. and if you break them, they sentence you to prison. Okay. So very similar to our regular judicial system. Yes. <laughs> okay, yes, okay, yeah. great. Is it like is that like the the main like is that the the only form of like punishment in this in this place? It's like, it's like if, if like you saw over bread, it's like uh, in the mine in the mine of sleep in, in the bee mine for you, my friend. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So wait, do the bees actually carry the gold? They carry the gold out of the mine. But it's mined by prisoners. But it's mined by prisoners. Oh, dear. The the prison is run by a cult of Moradin who (laughs) help the prisoners to attain redemption through prayer during their hard work. That is where you all find yourselves in this story. I'll leave it up to you guys whether or not you've met each other before. You've probably at least least seen each other around in the prison as you... Yeah, look, I reckon they've probably seen me around, to be honest, not to... <laughs> <laughs> okay. You, uh, you, your days follow quite a pattern. And after a long day's labour in the mines and a few meals of porridge, <laughs> you are returned to yourselves for quiet time. But at the end of this day, you are put into a new cell because some prisoners had died and they needed to to readjust who was living where. And you find yourselves, whether or not you've encountered each other in the prison before, sharing a cell for the first time. And so they lock the doors, the three of you in this four-bed cell. I guess I'll let each of you describe what the others see of who you are. Okay, so we're all three in a four-bed cell. And Mm -hmm. there's no fourth person? No. All right. If you two would look my way, you would see a human of approximately 30 human years. You might notice that he is carrying a pan flute. (gasps) Oh, yeah. I should say, any equipment you think you have was confiscated when you were put in the prison. Oh, no! I think you're allowed your pan flute. Wait, no. Yeah. Nah, fuck it. You can have the pan flute. Also, what kind no, of clothing? No, 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 not a pan flute. Can, can, she, can she have, like, a harmonica instead? No. A harmonica? Like a bee? <laughs> yeah. But also, like, prison, I, right? I, but I think, I think in, in this realm, the, uh, the pan flute holds the same prison connotations of a harmonica. Do you think pan flutes are fantasy harmonicas, Thomas? Is that yes. what you're saying? That's no, a I, wild I, yeah. thing to say. I think what Tom is saying is harmonicas are prisoned pan flutes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's really the same thing. Right. So I'll say I'll say a a small musical instrument you probably have somehow gotten your hands on. But generally speaking, particularly if you guys have weapons on your character sheet, safe to say they were confiscated when you were put in prison. Yeah, it'd be pretty weird if they let the prisoners just have weapons, wouldn't it? I guess that would be weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um what about clothing wise? You are all in prison uniforms (sighs) with gold and black stripes on them. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. Yeah. Finish describing um... your, your boy. Yeah, well, um, I think you would see my character looking quite upset about the fashion faux pas that is the yellow mm, and black stripes. Mm. And, um, yeah, maybe he's tooting away on a little <laughs> nondescript prison instrument <laughs> fashioned out of, I don't know, shivs. <laughs> <laughs> so he's had to make a bunch of shivs, already a contraband <laughs> item, which he's then fashioning into a pan flute yeah. or harmonica. Oh, into like a little keyboard? Like you look like a-, <laughs> a xylophone! Yeah! A xylophone of shivs. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what you say. Oh, very, very good. So he's playing like the Rugrats theme song on the xylophone, <laughs> on the shiv xylophone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, tell us more about them. Um, well, this gentleman with his fop of blonde hair is named Ridge Ryerson. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) yes, he is a bard, he is a human, and he is a criminal. Oh, a fun human criminal bard boy. Well, I mean, we knew you were a criminal because the dwarves get nothing wrong and you're in prison for crime. Yeah, I mean, when I was picking (laughs) a background for my character, I was like, well... Criminal. <laughs> 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 the setting is we're yeah. in jail, so... 
So who else? <laughs> criminal. A criminal crime. Who yeah. else do we see in the cell? Uh, I got the impression, Jago, that you had something particularly fun, so maybe I'll do mine and then we can we can save you for last. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you'd see another human man. I'm going to say, like, early 20s looking human man. He is very, like, nondescript looking. Very plain looking. And, yeah, I mean, I was going to describe him in terms of the, like, very distinctive clothing that he was wearing, but I guess he's just wearing this bee costume, which actually suits him just fine. He probably actually, like, doesn't mind the threads as much as the others, because this boy is named Daryl, but that's only one of the two names that the man holds. His surname is Bigby. So this is Daryl Bigby, the, the human sorcerer who is also a, a criminal. And yeah, those of you who know your dandy history will know what Bigby means. Uh, so he, he's, pretty, he's pretty cool on the, on the bee stripes that he's wearing. And he's probably... Okay, do you think if he had like a glove, like a leather glove, that he just won, like a Michael Jackson thing, like he would have been allowed to keep that? <laughs> um, I think it's safe to say that if he... Um, do you have a decent dexterity score? Uh, yeah, plus two. Yeah, I think with that, you're allowed to shelve that whenever the guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. oh, no. So it's oh, a very no. brown glass. <laughs> 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 oh, no. Come on, Grace. Oh. Come on, Grace. Okay. Um, Wine makes a mean and waffles make a gross. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She's all sticky with syrup and Nutella. She's a <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, so, so then he's wearing this leather glove on his right hand. Probably as soon as, like, the, yeah, the guards locked him in, he retrieved it from wherever he's secreting it away and uh, put, put it on his hand. And that's probably what you'd see. And who else is in the room? Yeah, I think as, as, uh, as Daryl and Ridge sort of, like, cast their glances across... I, I say cast their glances. I, I think you'd probably be pretty aware very immediately. Um, you'd see Krav, who is, uh, at first look, like the most attractive, like, human woman you've ever seen. Like, she's, like, stunningly attractive, has this, like, long, like, these long red curls and is just, like, stunningly beautiful and, of course, also a centaur, so her bottom half is... (laughs) (laughs) What? Oh, dude, that Um, is pretty good. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Actually, that's a good point. Um, I guess Krav is probably, like, wearing, like, a ripped uniform as a sort of, like... Like, like two, some two uniforms, like a, like a human horse costume that humans would wear. It's got to be in yeah. two separate parts. No, no, not yeah, even. Yeah, like yeah. The, the, I, I feel like the centaurs are so rare in these parts that they've literally just torn one of the prison jumpsuits in half. Mm. And I think, I think your bottom half must have been completely bare, Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For I'm sure. sorry, completely horse, but like, <laughs> stupid. What if? Um, what if? Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think because so so Krav is a barbarian, and so um she'll she'll probably will have like sort of fixed herself up something that's um more in line with with that sort of like she's not a big fan of armor anyway, so she like she's just covering stuff up for modesty because she's aware that she is like stunningly attractive and so mm, for just like mm, ease no, of, of mind course. of everyone else there is just kind of like you know like got a little bit of modesty going I, I think on. i think probably at this point before we continue uh daryl looks over and says hey uh how many rib cages do you have i've always wondered this about centaurs is it just <laughs> the one human one or do you have a horse one also what's what's the deal with that it's about halfway between both <laughs> I love this character. It didn't cross my mind until just now 
that we're going to get a glimpse of the way Grace sees men. It's true. And I wow. suppose also... And how Jackson sees yeah, I... lady centaurs. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. As, as Daryl is being admonished by evidently the slightly more polite... Sorry, I forgot your name, Grace. Ridge Racer. Ridge Racer. Ridge. As, as Daryl Ridge is being <laughs> admonished by the slightly more polite Ridge... You're all suddenly disturbed by the swift opening of your cell door as a fourth inmate is thrown in. You recognise this inmate as uh, Ratchet Steve, (laughs) (laughs) who's got a bit of a reputation around the prison for just being a loose unit. And he's basically half comatose and bloodied from a beating. Uh, That's sort of immediately evident as the guards throw him into your cell. And standing behind those guards watching is a man you recognise... Oh, I say a man. It's a male, but he's a dwarf uh, you recognise as the warden of the prison, Father Glendower. And he sort of steps into the doorway of the cell, regards you all and stares down at uh, Ratchet Steve beaten (laughs) on the floor. And now, I don't want... To disturb you all with the accent I'm about to do for Father Glendower. Uh-huh. Uh, sorry, just for anyone listening, is this all pertaining to your own personal heritage? <laughs> Are you going to do a Welsh thing? That's... <laughs> so, um, you know, obviously Duncan, who I voice as a dwarf in the main campaign, has a slightly ochre Aussie accent. Oh, I'm so excited for this. Um, the classic <laughs> dwarven accent being the Scottish one, but, you know, I wanted to keep that fresh you know, do something fresh, which is why Duncan is mm. Aussie. And then I figured, like, you know, I want to go near those classic roots of the Scottish Dwarven accent, but something a little bit adjacent, mm-hmm. um, culturally related, but Maybe not directly adjacent, but very near. Yeah, um, <laughs> h- historically adjacent, but... Yeah, no, uh, so Father Glendower has what is, in canon, a Welsh accent, and will sound at times more or less like a Welsh accent, depending on how ready I am for any individual sentence. But... <laughs> <laughs> he steps into the door Ooh, and says into the door yeah, well, into the doorway he walks straight into the door out. he's actually I didn't I intend mean, for this he faces like, through the door yeah <laughs> uh, he he steps in the doorway and says oh my children <laughs> that's not real I imagine you know Ratchet Steve. (laughs) I know this looks barbaric, (laughs) but he has deserved it. (laughs) He has been smuggling contraband. as a bad man (laughs) just make sure you do your part for the hive (laughs) where are you taking us to your lives do belong to the toil now (laughs) and he slams the door behind him what kind of clothes is father glendalow wearing 
Um, not Glendalo, <laughs> Glendow. Um, he, is he wearing like a bee vestment? He is wearing, I think, actually armour. Just honey. He's just covered in honey. Yeah. <laughs> he's covered he's naked to the skin, dripping in honey. <laughs> He's, he's, no, he's, no, no, it's not dripping. It's hardened over many, over oh, many wounds. So he it's like, it's like he is wearing so many armor coating. Exactly, so many layers of slickened honey, hardened around his body that you can't really, you know, like the frosted windows you get on bathrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't really see his <laughs> naked so it's like figure. A privacy thing. But it's also he's but it's wearing also, a stained glass window. It yeah. looks about as effective as full plate armor. So is he on? <laughs> is he just on like a, a hand dolly then being wheeled around? Because I assume he's no at his at his at his joints. The honey is still liquid and it drips <laughs> as he moves. Oh, dude. Okay. Now that's actually I've really come around on this. Yeah. That sounds fucking I, sick. Father Glendower is probably the coolest Dunkania NPC we've encountered. <laughs> what a fucking look! He comes in just wearing honey, like oh my god, and also just dripping honey and from his dripping crotch. honey from his pores. Oh my god, that's gross, Tom. You fucked this up. I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so he leaves, and, and Ratchet Steve's there. What? Yeah. What does Ratchet Steve look like? So Ratchet Steve is just like. This like scrawny halfling junky looking dude, oh. fucked up hair and facial hair, like someone just like attacked him with an electric razor one day haphazardly. Pulled patches of his hair. Yeah, yeah, like the most ratchet looking halfling <laughs> you can picture, okay. emaciated, but with this Makes huge sense. bloated stomach, and he kind of rolls onto his back, like kind of like pregnant. half laughing. He's like, <laughs> and, like kind of coughs up a bit of blood from the beating. He's like, <laughs> And then Ratchet Steve says, ah, yeah, they, they beat me pretty pretty good, but huh, jokes on them, I still got to guzzle down the last of my homebrew. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just getting progressively drunker. Is that also mm. what's happening right now? Yeah, like he's come yeah. in after fucking necking ten pints of, of toilet wine? Um, it's <laughs> actually, yeah. He, he then rolls over onto his front, half props himself up, wretches... And vomits a vast quantity of thick honey esque liquid onto the floor. Oh no! Mead? Are you talking about mead, dude? Mead, but like it was half honey, half oh. mead, like super viscous. Oh. The sweet smell hits your noses. Your eyes tell you to be disgusted, but your heart's thirst for what you have just seen empty onto the floor. Can you all please take charisma saving throws? Uh, you bet I can. You better believe. Oh, shit. Grace, you're on a natural 20. And you, you better believe Daryl Bigby is proficient in charisma saving throws. So the fact that he rolled a 12 definitely goes to a 19. Ba-boom. And I'm... Proficient, and I'm plus four, so my 20 goes to a 26. 27, because nice. proficiency is plus 27. three. 27. Yeah, nice. So, Krav rolled a 10 and has <laughs> charisma of negative one. So, I think our centaur probably, like, canters over and no! just goes to town. That's such a gross vibe for the, the one animal. That's kind of... Is, it, is this racist? The lady, no. And so... <laughs> So to clarify, is uh, Ridge wearing a fedora? <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Fashioned out of dead prisoners' old jumpsuits. Yes, Ridge is actually. Um, I have fashioned him very deliberately after a certain character. Okay, is it Ned um, Ryerson from Groundhog Day? No. <laughs> um, with the last name. So it's a throwback. Ridge. <laughs> 
Angry fans. Then. Yeah, people. Fuck, my brother will probably like that one. Hey, Jago, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm Zep Brannigan. Oh. Um. Nice. So Ridge, Ridge and Daryl look on in horror as Krav starts slurping up this um honey and witnessing it. They're disgusted, but also can't help but wish they were also consuming it. Even mm. Ratchet Steve, half unconscious, seems to be lapping at the side of the pool of vomit, oh. trying to get it back into his mouth. It's honestly a grotesque sight. Yeah, that is pretty grotesque. I think as, like, the wave of, like, meaty vomit rolls along the stone tiles and gets closer to Daryl's boots, he just, like, slowly lifts them up onto the bunk that he's sitting on. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> looks down at this, like, ever-growing pool of vomit with uh, something approaching, uh, we'll say fascination. <laughs> As the maid hits the back of your fro- throat, Jackson, you are... Krav, it's not me, it's it's the character I'm playing. <laughs> yeah, so as 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 the, the maid hits the back of Krav's throat, you realise that when Steve said homebrew, he didn't just mean alcohol he'd made, he meant the infamous syrupy liqueur, homebrew, which grants one peculiar visions of their desires, makes them feel at home even just for a moment. And you are blessed with a vision of yourself running free through the plains, dead giants all around, and centaur children gaily frolicking in the sun. But then after just a moment, the vision is done and you're left with nothing but the taste of honey and a little bit of stomach bile. <laughs> I, um, I, like, l- l- let me know how this, how you feel about this, but, like, I think upon seeing those giants and, like, if she was really buying into it, she might just fucking rage. Like, I, yeah. I, I think Krav might just rage and just try and, like, bash her way through, like... The door? Through this fucking cell. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I, think, um, I, th- I think Krav sees an image of, like, fighting giants and, like, this war and that sort of thing, and she just fucking, like, flips, rages, and then just, like, tackles into the door and just, like, <laughs> kicking it down with her hooves and just, like, Fuck trying to tear yes. her way out. Fuck yes. I think upon seeing this, Daryl immediately realises that... This crazy centaur is his ticket out of here. And, like, snaps to action, is just standing behind her, like, waiting for her to kick down the door so he can make a break for it. Can't stand behind a raging horse. Daryl, fucking idiot. Um, yeah, Rich squeals and hides under his bunk. <laughs> Elbow deep in homebrew now. Yeah. T, if, if, if it matters to you, I um I get plus two on strength-based melee attacks, I get advantage on strength checks and saves, I have, I have a strength uh, score of 20, what do you want me to, to do? <laughs> uh, can you please make a strength check for me on the door? Um, well, the first one was a one, uh, but the next one is an 18 plus five, 23. Uh, yeah, I would say that with that, the door buckles a little bit, <laughs> and you hear from the hallway the sounding of horns. <laughs> Thank you, Professor Thanks Foley. Foley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know I love a bit of Foley. Is the door open, or is it just No, it's a bit? buckling a little bit, and there are horns in the hallway. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm, I mean, Krav is just raging, so she she's just trying to get through the door, so that, that, that'll be her until that happens. Yeah, sure thing. So continuously battering on the door. Okay, I think yep. at the sound of horns, um, Daryl backs up into the corner and gets readies an action to cast 
a spell that I will reveal when it happens, when the door gets thrown open. What's going on here? Are we busting out, or...? Uh, I'm certainly busting out. Come on, if you're interested. I must admit, this isn't exactly how I thought the breakout was gonna go. I was expecting we'd have some plans, maybe a tunnel, something a little more considered, but really, this'll do. Uh, Raging Centaur, just as good as a drill. Let's do it. As a bard, <laughs> do I need my music to cast a spell? Yeah, yeah. But on my... <laughs> Shiv xylophone? <Can> I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pop was certainly right. I mean, some bards are just singers, right? So you're, you're probably... That's fine. I think okay. it's the music, yeah. not the not the means, so to speak. The, mu- the magic music was in you all along, not in the instrument. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> uh, you do need the instrument. You can bring it with you, though. Yeah. It, like a little one. You're hearing horns. You can probably also now hear footsteps hurrying down the hallway. Okay. Ridge taps as quick as he can on his little shiv xylophone out a spell of greater invisibility. <laughs> <laughs> Ridge Zillia has come to play this game. <laughs> Nice, nice. Which makes me undetectable, right? Yep. Yeah, sweet. Uh, And are you, like, then just, like, standing in the back corner of the cell? Or, like, do you want to be near the door? No, I'm still under the bunk. Still under the bunk. Okay, cool. You've ready to spell, Ben, but you're not... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Cool. So, um, Jackson, can you take another strength check for me to see how your efforts continue on the gate? Sure can. Okay, that one's a... uh, That's a 20. Yeah, great. So I think with that, the lock cracks and the door swings open. You can see ahead of you a corridor heading right and left. You know from how you came into the cell that left is uh, towards the Great Hall where you eat food. And you can hear boots hurrying down the hallway from both directions. <laughs> what would you like? What would you guys like to do? Uh, well, can I use my ready to action? Yeah. Now, I was explicitly going to trigger it on, like, some, something I could see through the door, so I can't see anything. Yeah. The thing that was going to trigger it, that I wanted, was when someone comes into my field of view through the door. Mm-hmm. There's um, no one there, so I guess I'm still just waiting, basically, is what I'm saying, for someone to come into view. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And what are you doing, uh, Krav? I, I guess Krav is probably rolling a, a rageful perception check. Uh, to see if she can tell, to see, to see if she can tell where the most immediate sound of like um, opponents are, and then she's gonna fucking like charge there as quickly as she can. Yeah, good. Uh, oh, that's 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 a nat twenty. So okay, who's so closest? You you can hear that on the left. They're closer. Yeah, so Krav has like busted down this door and is like wheeling out, like run, like like essentially galloping around the corner and just like gunning it towards people, just like screaming. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right, nice. The other two of you are still waiting in the cell. Yeah, I'm in the corner, so kind of like I got like an angle on the door, so I'll see when someone comes in from the side. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, can we also hear footfalls coming from the right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think what we'll do is we'll roll initiative. Yep. All right, we got a seventeen plus two. And you guys? Uh, nine plus three. Mm-hmm. Seven plus two for nine. For the moment, the first initiative is actually you, Jackson, which is actually convenient, given the way things were going out. And you, mm-hmm. as you bolt left, come around a slight corner and are face-to-face with two dwarves in plate armour. They're the standard prison guards, and they both have heavy uh, crossbows at the ready, but not like, like as in they're hurrying down the corridor with heavy crossbows in their hands. That's what you're faced with. Yeah, great. Um, Krav is, like, screaming and, like, charging into them. For what it's worth, there was a bunch of stuff about, like, 
like charge as a feature for centaurs. I'm not sure if you want to like fuck with that or not, but either way, I'm just going to like charge into them and probably just like try and like trample them essentially. Uh, how complex is it? Um, well, there's just a couple of different ways of doing it essentially. Um, but, uh, so one is like, uh, succeed in a strength saving throw, um, and then all be knocked prone and then uh, you, they get some additional damage. Yeah, that's fine, dude. Like an extra 1d6. I reckon just great. do that. We'll roll with it. Great, great, great. Um, so I have... Nothing uh, like a homebrew, so- eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Loving the homebrew. Krav is in- <laughs> mostly homebrew in terms of creation and also in- <laughs> her insides now are mostly homebrew. <laughs> um, all right, so a 12 plus 8, because I'm, profi- I'm proficient with my hooves, which is very convenient, which makes sense when you think about it, right? 20... Plus two, because I'm raging. Um, so 22 to hit. Yep, that hits. Wonderful. Uh, do you want to take... Uh, do you want to make a, a strength saving throw? Yep. Oh, that is not a good uh, look. Eight. What's the DC? DC is eight plus my proficiency bonus plus my strength modifier. So that's not going to cut it, my friend. Okay, so Great. he falls um, prone. How much damage was it, sorry? Uh, a four and a three is seven. Seven plus uh, five, so 12 damage. Uh, and they're prone. And then I'd like to take my second attack. Yeah, I just like sort of like right, like essentially like raise my uh, my hooves up and then like crush them back down into his skull. <laughs> <laughs> this is so brutal. As a fucking centaur, dude. Like, what do you what do you, what do you want? Uh, so seventeen to hit. Ah, oh, I'm afraid your hoofs just miss his head. Your brutal targeting. Maybe they bounce off. off his thick dwarven skull. Perhaps, yeah. I reckon one of them, <laughs> one of them crashes into the ground because you didn't target the center of mass. You went for the headshot, mm. and the other one mm. hits down but glances off between helmet and dwarven skull. It just can't get mm. in. So as that all happens, uh, the other centaur. Uh, sorry, the other centaur. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the other centaur attacks you from behind. Get trampled in the back. The other guard fires his crossbow at you. Does a 10 hit? No, it does not. Clearly startled. No good there. The other guy just been knocked prone. I feel like that probably gives him disadvantage on weapon attacks. I don't think it does. Cool. Okay, well then he well, just... It's on, the, it's on the thing here somewhere. Oh. Creature has... Did oh, on attack I rolls? I would have an advantage. It has, it has oh, disadvantage great. on attack rolls. So Perfect. he fires a crossbow at you. Ooh, uh, a 19 and a 12. The 12 with his modifier comes to 14. Does that hit you? Does not. Oh, Jumps. dope. Whoa, that's a yeah, so neither of those guards managed to get you with their crossbows. Grace, it's actually now you on the initiative count. You can hear the footsteps getting really close on the right-hand side. I think I yell out, we've got to uh, get on that centaur. <laughs> and I tumble out from underneath Good fucking the luck, dude. <laughs> and get covered in... Homebrew. Homebrew. Mm. To my utter disgust. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I start moving towards the door. But also delight. Yeah. Um, so you would have movement to get out of the cell into the corridor. Daryl, you're going to be left behind. <laughs> and, it's, not and my, it's not my turn yet. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you run into the into the corridor? Or? Yeah. So as you enter the corridor, you see to your right, it is actually... Father Glendower, who's um, coming up the corridor. Um, so you've so far have used your move. You would still have an action. Do you want to do anything with your turn? or Do an attack on him or on one of them. I'll get visible. Oh, with no, greater invisibility? Is it, is it, is it, greater invisibility? Yeah, greater invisibility. You get to stay invisible. Yeah. I think that's why it's greater. Yeah. It is a concentration spell, so you can't use another of those. Oh. Yep. It, you don't lose it, though. You're invisible for a minute. All right. I slash at... 
father. Glendower. Glendalow with my rapier. Oh, this is going to be a bad scene. And that's not going to hit the 12. No, I'm afraid that cannot pierce um, his honey armor. But you know what? I take my second attack. Nice. And I. Ooh. It's a 24 Ooh. to hit. Ooh. 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 Wait, you don't have your rapier on you. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Do I have a dagger shield? No, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> I mean, what's your dexterity modifier? It's high. Plus three. Well, look, if he could have a glove with plus two, I'm going to say that you can have a little shiv that counts as a dagger. I've got my xylophone. xylophone. Oh, your xylophone. Yeah, yeah. Xylophone. Shiv him with the xylophone. Yeah, shiv him with the xylophone. the xylophone into his face. <laughs> what was it to hit? It was 24. Yep, that hits. Yeah. It's probably 24. The only opening in his honey-based um, armour. <laughs> so it's five damage. Five piercing xylophone damage. <laughs> right in his eyeballs. He moves his head swiftly with the skill of someone trained in the art of wearing heavy armour so that you gash his cheek, but he manages to deflect the He can't blow see slightly. it coming. Yeah, he can. She's invisible. invisible. And everything I... Well, look, I'm just... Okay, okay, fine then, fine then. He doesn't do anything cool. He just is a heavy armour master, so he still takes less damage. You stab him square in the face. Nothing visually interesting happens for our listeners. He gets stabbed out of the middle of nowhere in the flesh of his face, but he's so good at wearing heavy armour that he takes less damage. How much damage did you deal? I love this game. Yeah, how great is that? <laughs> Which means it's now his turn. So I assume he's not in my line of sight yet. No, but he is nearly in your line of sight. He actually reaches into his bag. I just realised I have a visual prop um, that I left downstairs. I'll be back oh, in one oh, second. Oh, get it. So I had a little way yeah. down there. Yeah. Now, this is... It's a shame, Jackson, you won't be able to see this, but... Um, the others can narrate what happens visually for you so that our listeners can experience it in the same way that you are. Basically, what happens is uh, Father Glendower, face to face with... His own mortality. Uh, his own mortality. An invisible knife having stabbed him in the face. He's terribly afraid of this uh, prison escape attempt. And he reaches into a pocket in the back of his honey-based armour, which operates oh, with honey, no. liquid honey hinges. And he pulls out... He's got that liquid honey technology. He pulls out uh, a potion yeah, from this pocket. <laughs> and he, he just starts... What? Struggling so much. Do you want to tell Jackson what oh, you just witnessed? No. I'll send you the video, Jackson. Just, just drank honey from the bottle. <laughs> so much, so much, Jackson. Oh God. Ridge sees Father Glendower chug honey from the bottle, and then he closes his eyes in prayer, and he says, "Oh, more than oh, that doesn't sound Welsh at all. All Father." Send to me an avatar of your wrath that I might smite these evil fiends. 
And with a blinding light, the priest is suddenly joined by a mystical, divine figure, an entity of pure energy in the figure of a dwarven king. (laughs) (laughs) I, the wrath of Marilyn, your father, am come to defend the natural order. You must bow to all its rules as they are written in stone. Hi, John. <laughs> How you doing, dude? It's good. it's good to see you. For those of you listening at home, T's brother just burst into the room. Fucking terrifying! In, in my house. <laughs> and, uh, it was very frightening. Uh, well, welcome. Uh, are you sticking around? <laughs> Shall I get you a chair? Well, um, uh, yeah, if you can get a chair, that'd be okay. great. Uh, well, shit, here you go. Uh, now we're going to have to play the rules properly, or John's going to be very upset. Don't make the jokes yet, Ben. That's the whole reason it's here. That's the whole reason it's prison thing. You're breaking I, the rules. I hope he likes this centaur character that I'm homebrewing. I really hope he enjoys that. <laughs> oh, I don't know about homebrew, hey. <laughs> oh, dear. I uh, figured, you know, this dwarven cleric running this prison needed to have a divine ally to fight you guys and I figured, you know, an avatar of Moradin if I needed someone with the short strong stature of a dwarf mm-hmm. the geological <laughs> knowledge of stone of a dwarf <laughs> um, uh, someone potentially with a penchant for Scottishness, um, mm-hmm. maybe almost as much Man. penchant for Scottishness All as I have penchant for Welshness. Yeah, it's almost like I foreshadowed this with every, with everything <laughs> that we really said did. this entire time. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, John's here to play the avatar of Moradin that Father Glendur has just summoned. And that actually brings us, as this avatar appears in front of him in Ben's line of sight, this mm-hmm. brings us to Ben's initiative count now, when in... when you say Ben, I assume you mean Daryl. Yeah, Daryl's initiative count in the big B, B-Day, PVP... <laughs> uh, the, the, that I have prepared for you. Uh, so... So we're in Daryl's line of sight, are we? A big... What does it look like? It's like a divine energy being in the shape of a dwarven king. I think like a nearly nude dwarven king, actually. No? <laughs> Half plate. Half plate oh. clad dwarven king... But uh, the top half is full plate. <laughs> <laughs> That's one interpretation of half plate. Yeah. It's just entirely the left side. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, the real villains you guys have to face in this encounter is uh, my Welsh accent and John's Scottish accent. And your personal demons. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. Okay, so Ben, it's your go, and whatever you Darryl, have. Please, re- Daryl's up, and just having entered his line of sight is this uh, mystical being. Okay, okay. I'm going to need a judgment call for you, because the thing I had ready action to blow on seeing something through the door was the spell Fireball, an HW lane favourite. Do you think think your boy Daryl is smart enough to realise that he heard... He heard Ridge leave the room and knows Ridge is invisible and that he can't see Ridge. So seeing this thing, I would position the fireball off down the corridor to the right so it just hits. It's still going to hit Ridge. Do an in-check. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if that's intelligence or wisdom. Cause I'm, I'm 12 wisdom, 9 intelligence. I would say I would say take a wisdom check for me. Okay. And in the heat of the moment. I mean, I would say by the letter of the rules, the uh, ready to action follows the trigger you set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did say when I saw something through the door, John. So I asked to bring it. I didn't say 
Wisdom check. How does that sound, Tom? <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty good. I mean, it's um, still gonna hit Ridge. Because yeah, yeah. Ridge is in touch. I'll, I'll, I'll let I'll let Ridge have advantage on the sex avoid because of your attempt to shape it so it's away from. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it is a corridor. How does a fireball work in a corridor? Oh, actually, no, true. It totally would just, like, blow down the corridor. <laughs> yeah, yeah sorry, no advantage, tube. Grace. You're, you're getting just you're getting burnt. A um, tube of flame. Uh, yeah, very good. I, I mean, it was always my intention to shape it so it didn't hit me. <laughs> in the room. Um, so just a deck save. Yeah. It's a 15 to me. I don't know what the DC is. That'll be Ben. That is... Five fours and three sixes, so 26 fire damage. It's DC 15 dex save. DC 15 yep. dex save. So what's the total, sorry? 26. 26? Mm-hmm. The avatar manages a 20 on the, on the dex save. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like f- phases around. Enters the avatar <laughs> state. Yeah. And goes um, straight past it. How does the king... How does the honey boy do? How does our good... Uh, he, he gets hit with a full force of yeah, that fire. He's slow moving. Right I, should, I should now uh, let John know what uh, this avatar of Moradin is seeing. He's just been summoned by, you know, his faithful servant, Father Glendur. Father and, Glendur. And Father Glendur <laughs> is a older dwarven man in full plate armour made of layered hardened honey, which... <laughs> obscures his naked form kind of like the frosted window on a bathroom <laughs> and the way he's so able not to... all that well yeah um, <laughs> he <gets> his shapes <laughs> it's almost as revealing as your half plate um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and the joints of that are still liquid honey which is how he's able to move so he drips liquid honey as he moves he can't see anyone in the corridor with him other than a centaur and a bunch of dwarven well, guards well that's further down like okay. right there my point is Grace is near you but Ridge. is invisible and has at the moment done nothing Ridge is the character so you don't know anything about Ridge just yet down the corridor you can see a centaur who's like stomping some guards <laughs> <laughs> Now, now, T, when you planned this Prison Break episode, were you expecting that immediately the first thing we were going to do was start a prison riot and no, fight all no, the guards in no, the water? Like, no. You were going to go to some other rooms, get some advantages under your belt, like... Uh, got no fucking weapons? Yeah, exactly. All right. Speaking of which, is there anything I can duck behind in this room that I'm in? There are beds you could duck under, but they're built in, so you can't flip them. Okay, but they won't give me cover if I duck under them, I expect. Yeah, they would. Because people are standing up. Okay. People would have to, like, go prone to, like, not... Yeah, I'd I like, under closer. one of the yeah, yeah. I'm a sorcerer. Oh, by the way, I should tell you, whilst I cast that spell, I yelled out, I'm Daryl Bigby! I'm, I'm one of the Bigbys! The family Bigby! And this is me doing a spell I call Bigby's Fireball! <laughs> um, is it, like, just slightly less effective? Like, he's just, like, a little bit impotent? No, it's just Fireball. His, cla- his classic move. No, the, yeah. the point is, it's just it's Fireball. Seven, he's just 76. claiming it. He's just claiming <laughs> yeah. it as Big You're gonna rebrand every spell. Yeah, every spell he casts is Big V's whatever. <laughs> it's all about branding. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Good oil. So, uh, Jackson, it's your go. I'm I'm raging. I'm probably just gonna keep stomping this dude's head in. Unless, like, um, yeah, they only ha- they they only have like crossbows. Yeah, they don't have any any other weapons I can like try and snag off them. They are both carrying as well great swords. Yeah. Okay. I pick up one of the great swords and I just 
start impaling this. Do you want to maybe? <laughs> do you want to maybe make either a, a strength or dexterity check to take the great sword off your opponent? Yeah, I can. I'll definitely take a strength check with with advantage plus two as part of my uh, your raginess. Not, yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll contest that from the guard. What did you get? Uh, so I got a 13 and then a 17. So I'll take the 17 uh, plus five is 22. Yeah, you managed to pull that greatsword off him. Cool, cool, cool. And then it's I'm, it's going to be up in one fluid motion and then down right into his chest. <laughs> so I'll say, because you have... You Doing have, a sword in the stone plant. extra attack, don't you? I sure do. Yeah, so I'll say with like the action taking the sword, you just get one of your attacks then. Oh, that's okay. I'm going to I'm gonna load up on this one anyway. Yeah, cool. cool. So 12 <laughs> plus eight is uh, 20 to hit. Yep, that hits. Um... I will do what I forgot to do last time, which is add my, um, uh, basically, because I'm, I'm, I'm a zealot uh, barbarian, um, I get to add my first weapon attack, 1d6 plus half my barbarian level to damage. So that'll be, ooh, that's a 5, plus, plus 4, so that's 9 damage, and then I'll roll the, ooh, two, two sixes. Oh, nice. So the greatsword itself is then uh, two sixes uh, plus 5 for my strength. Oh, and then plus another 2 because I'm raging. So like 28 damage, I think. 28. Does that sound about right? Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, dude. You said a whole lot of numbers to me in a row. I need you to do the math. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's say it was 28. We'll just keep rolling. 28's um, a good number. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice number. He looks really fucking hurt. Oh my god, how many of these dwarven guards are there? So he's fighting two dwarven guards. Okay, just two. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. The guy on the ground, he took his greatsword. He's just trying to still fire his heavy crossbow at you. He's at disadvantage from having you on top of him and from being on the ground. Mm, so he, he rolls a two with his disadvantage, just fires a crossbow like straight into the wall or Hell something. Yeah. But the guy next to him makes a couple of attacks uh, with his greatsword. Does a 15 hit you? It does. Uh, he deals seven damage to you with his greatsword. He deals four damage. That's a, that's a little shout out to you, John. <laughs> so for context there, uh, in, in, a, in a campaign we played back in, in the good old days when Jackson lived here, John uh, was playing a barbarian and would always really sassily tell me, I was DMing, how much damage I actually dealt him anytime I told him the damage I thought I dealt him <laughs> before he applied his resistance. Yes, exactly. Unless it's psychic damage. So you better start doing some psychic damage to craft. Yeah, I mean, well, unfortunately, actually, John it's, missed it's the bit where they were... It's just piercing, slashing, and bludgeoning, because I'm not bare totem, but anyway, yeah. ah. it's fine. Rule stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to get those rules as much as I can. Yeah, let's yeah, just yeah, be all over the rules. I'm, I'm happy to talk about the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to talk about the rules. Let's talk about the rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 15-minute rule discussion. Yeah. And so then, after those guards have acted, it's actually the turn of this avatar of Moradin's wrath who mm-hmm. stands in the hallway. So you can see the centaur crushing guards. You can see that a sorcerish type looking dude has just crawled under a bed. What you now notice is also there's like an emaciated looking, junky looking... Is he not in the initiative count? No, he's like barely conscious. He's like, oh. and he's just trying to. So there's a half emaciated, um, half bloated, half ling on the floor who's beaten and bloodied. <laughs> half emaciated, half bloated, half ling. Yeah, dude. I love that, dude. Um, and he's on the floor. I think he said half lean. I was like, what? Yeah, 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 I have to admit, I had that too. Oh, <laughs> half lean. Yeah. It's and the top half or the bottom half? <laughs> He's got really fat legs. It's really skinny. Oh, torso. I was picturing like 
his legs are straight, but his torso is just leaning really awkwardly off the side. <laughs> He's on a 45 degree angle yeah, yeah, yeah. to his hips. <laughs> he is on the floor, barely conscious, licking at a pool of viscous honey vomit. You can probably actually smell the stench of honey and vomit near you in the corridor. Um, you can't see where that smell is coming from, but evidently uh, there's that. And you can also smell the faint suggestion of honey from the other direction down the corridor towards the centaur. And I think um, as you've appeared, uh, Father Glendower, your you know humble, loyal servant, says to you, Moradin Allfather, I have summoned you to help me punish these people who have defied the natural law. Man, the, so true to life. Yeah. This like he summoning his he summoning John. To find <laughs> 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 the natural laws from our good lord Gary Gygax. <laughs> <laughs> this is an avatar of Gygax brought to our podcast to slay us all. <laughs> they have made and consumed the devilish beverage known as homebrew. I think um, probably from underneath the bed, Daryl Bigby calls out, uh, yeah, but if you're going to smite someone for breaking the God's laws or whatever, how about the, the guy who's literally enslaving us and then profiting from the fruits of our labor, the guy who's standing right next to you? Can I make a persuasion check to persuade the Avatar of Moradin? That's a good idea. Uh, you can make a persuasion check. Yeah, that is going to be a 17. I don't know how that sits with you. How dare you! I'll punish you for what you've done! Okay, very good. Heyo, it's me, the very biggest of bees, and you're listening to this on my actual human birthday. Happy birthday to me, etc, etc. Thanks so much for listening to this special episode. It was super fun to make, and as you can probably tell, it went way the fuck off the rails. This is a great example of what happens in D&D when things just kind of go their own way. Hopefully you enjoy it as much as we did. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying it. If you do want to stick around, I'd recommend either ducking back to the Heroes recap we released as episode 19.5, or if you're a completist, you can duck all the way back to the beginning, but maybe do yourself a favor and start with episode 2.5. It just summarizes the first two eps. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. I'd consider it a personal birthday gift if you shared the show with a friend or loved one, or went and rated or reviewed us on iTunes or wherever you listen. I mean can't say no on my human birthday, can you? We'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming in two weeks. We'll catch up with Trezilia, Jody, and Duncan then. Until then, I won't take up any more of your time. You're all amazing as per usual. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of the show. And so the Avatar legs it down the corridor for the littlest Bigby hiding under the bed. Yeah. And we'll take a swing, a mighty swing, yeah, okay. with his maul. Give me that cover. Does a 20 hit? With you cover? cover? I think we're looking at like plus 2 to your AC for that yeah. cover. Yeah. So then even if I use shield, that's still going to hit. <laughs> is the unfortunate reality of the situation. Uh, oh, by the way, T, I should have told you when I cast a spell a turn ago that I'm wild magic. So oh. I don't know if that means that you want me to roll <gasps> oh, a wild magic shit. spell table. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'll roll a d20. So the way we're, wild magic We won't goes, go back now, yeah, yeah, but yeah, like... Every time I do a spell in the future. Okay, great. Uh, what can I do about the fact that I'm about to be in a lot of trouble? Um, I may as well introduce this feature I have now. 
I took the feat lucky, because I'm a variant human. So I'm going to spend a luck point and make you roll that again, my friend. <laughs> does, is it reroll single dice or roll a roll? I, well, let's check what lucky does. You can spend one luck point to roll an additional d20. You can choose uh, after... Oh, after I roll the die before the outcome is determined. Okay, yeah, yeah, you choose which of the d20s is used for the attack roll. So I would just use it, and then I choose whether you use my roll. I would just roll a d20 and choose whether you oh, use your okay, roll okay, with okay, advantage yeah, or yeah, my yeah, regular yeah, yeah, roll. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You already so, know what his score is. So yeah, well, but, yeah, but before, the outcome is de- oh, before the outcome is determined. Well, okay. But then how would I ever know when to use it if someone else is attacking me? But what you'd say is like, Maybe you mostly use it for your roles rather than other people. It explicitly roles. says you can. Oh, I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can. But like you know, so if someone's like, oh, I attacked you, you'd be like, oh, well, I'm going to use my lucky thing now. You roll an attack roll as well before anything is said about what the attack rolls are. You choose right. whether you want to use theirs or yours. That sounds like how that works. Okay, fine. Well, I'll use it next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. No damage. So that's twenty-three damage. That is a lot for a sorcerer to have. Is the thing about it. Um, yep. Very good. Very very good. And Let's... then I'll attack again. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> hey, you should. Yeah, I'm gonna use my lunch dice <laughs> to decide whether or not this hits me. Oh boy, I rolled a 15, so I'm gonna go with yours, assuming you have a bonus that's better than 15. Now, there's still a possibility for you to cast shield, so I think you need to tell me what your AC is. Don't, I'll tell you if it. No. Don't, don't I decide to cast shield after I know what the attack roll is? No, you don't. Oh boy. That's not a weak thing. Well, I'm gonna go <laughs> I'm gonna and cast it anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna cast shield anyway, so let's go with that. And my AC goes to 17, oh, uh, 19 with the cover from the, from mm-hmm. the bench. Yeah, yeah. So 19 becomes my AC with shield. So 21. Uh. Yep, that'll do it. <laughs> 24 damage. Uh. Yep, yep, cool. Just one moment. Uh, just seeing what else I can do here. I have a couple of interesting abilities that I'm going to. Perish with me before I get to use them. So I'm just going to burn them all now. <laughs> um, what does Bend Luck do? Starting at fourth level, you have the ability to twist fate using your wild magic. When another creature you can see makes an attack roll, the ability to check a saving throw, you can use a reaction. I already used it to cast shield, so no worries. I'll just take that damage. How much was it? 24. Alright, cool. I'm cool. I'm alright. Let's go. <laughs> Who's up? So, after attacking you, a, a ring of ghostly dwarves spread out around you and encircle you, and a- lock you in sort of a, a fight ring with me. Oh, cool. I mean, I am under a bed, so <laughs> <laughs> there's already very little to be done there. <laughs> Proceed. Now, Grace, it's, it's uh, you know, you're up. Ridge. Do I know where the armory is? You would intuit that to the left... In the direction of the uh, fight that Krav is undertaking, past Krav, there is the dining hall that is adjacent to the barracks, and you would assume that there would be an armory as part of that barracks, though you never would have been in there as a prisoner. <sighs> right, okay. Whew, I'm just not built to fight without my weapon. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got, you've got... Magic. You've got, um, your, your shiv. Your shiv instrument. One d (laughs) four. Okay. Yes. I guess I'm just gonna have to come visible. Now, would you say sorry before? Just because we forgot, casting shield is a first level spell, so I should really roll for wild magic as to whether or not I have to use wild magic, right? Yeah. Have you you taken the advantage? You've used that or something? No, no, no. That's a that's tides of chaos. It's just every time you roll a d twenty, and if no, no. So, so you only have to roll that d twenty if you've used. No, John. I'm about to score your ass on the rules, John. And if it's a one, you roll on the wild magic table. If you use tides of chaos, you just roll on the table anyway. Can we we check that? I would be surprised. Wild magic surge. Starting when you choose this (laughs) item at first level, your spellcaster can only surge the untamed magic immediately after you cast a sorcerer spell. 
level or higher, the DM can have you roll a d20. If you roll a 1, roll okay, a 1 magic yeah, touch yeah. table, create a random so, magic so It's only fair that uh, Daryl Biggie would die by accidentally casting a self-centered fireball on himself. Yes. <laughs> Big, Bigby's fireball. Now that is Bigby's fireball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Bigby's last fireball. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who's up? I'm going to very quickly use my bonus action, bang away on my shoe xylophone, and sing some words of healing. Oh. My good friend. oh, that's so kind of you. How many hit points I do I get? You get 1d4 plus. Three. Oh, that's so many. Plus Go four. ahead and roll that d4 for me, then. <laughs> hey! Seven. Seven hit points. All right, that puts me on 18, so nice. one good mole strike. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, is you, how are you calling Moradin? He, he summoned him with an arbitrary homebrew spell. So you're not doing anything to him? I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it, there's no, like, action involved at this point. All right. Just think of think of the Avatar of Moradin as just, like, another character who exists in the space. I cast Hold Person onto Father Glendalough. <laughs> What's his name? Glendower. Glendower. <laughs> and I use my second action to stab him in the face again. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just check exactly what Hold Person Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You must succeed in a wisdom saving throw. It will be paralyzed for the duration. Bang! One minute. What happens if someone attacks you, though? Or if, like, is there any, like... Does that get them out of being held? Attacking them's fair game. Yeah, just fucking dunk on them while they're paralyzed. Good, oh, so wisdom save. I'm afraid the whole person does not work on, mm. on Father. He won't be Father held. Yeah. He will not be beaten. Um, But you make the attack roll to stab him? Yes. Um, I think you can probably do that with... Advantage giving, oh, given so. he yeah. can't see you. Yes, so it's minimum damage. Four. Cool. <laughs> cool. Well, his it's heavy armor mastery <laughs> really oh. gets in the way of that again. This is very bad. This is what you might call a bad scene. I, I really hope you're still going to ride the centaur anyway. Um, uh, so now it's Father <laughs> Glendara again. Um, oh, God. <laughs> He is going to hurry over to help the guards, and Jackson, he's going to attack you with his warhammer. Oh, it's a natural 20 from <laughs> Father Glendower. Oh um, Father Glendower, as he, as he hits you mightily with his warhammer, says, I will punish you for drinking the devil's homebrew, and you take... Be a bad beat. 18 damage. I take nine damage. <laughs> ben, it's your go. All right, fuckers. This is a real Hail Mary play. Uh, I'm going to use the wild magic feature, Bend Luck, in conjunction with a little spell I like to call Bigby's Polymorph. <laughs> I'm going to attempt to polymorph the avatar of Moradin. <laughs> well, I'm fucked otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to... Penalize his uh, his check to save against it. So go ahead and roll your saving throw against Polymorph. I believe it's a wisdom save. Let me check. It's either wisdom or charisma. Wisdom save. Okay. Okay, so I can't use a luck point. I can only use luck points on opposed attack rolls or my own saving throws and shit. But I can use bend luck from wild magic, 
which allows me to apply 1d4 as a penalty to your uh, roll. Yeah. So I'm going to reduce it by 4. What do you say, Wisdom Boy? What's your DC? 15. What animal am I? <laughs> <laughs> I think a sheep is the traditional polymorph spell, but maybe we can come with something more. <laughs> I mean, that seems appropriate for a it's Scottish accent Welsh. dwarf. Oh, yeah, a Welsh Scottish dwarf? Yeah, yeah definitely now a sheep. A sheep. Uh-huh. Yeah, and now Father Glendale is looking at him funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jesus. Well, sorry to any Welsh listeners out there. <laughs> I'm right here, Ben. Or DMs. Um, yeah, all Welsh DMs, yeah. So there you go. Does that do anything about this dwarven magic circle? Can sheeps concentrate on spells? But they are currently still present. Okay. Um, Father Glendower looks over and says, Deary me, this does not seem right. How have you done this devilry? And then Jackson... Hey, can I still move? Yeah, you can still move. I can't get out of the dwarf circle, can I? You can try Okay, uh, what do they look like? <laughs> this is spectral dwarves. Incorporeal, definitely not solid, like mm-hmm. wearing shield, axe, armor, mm-hmm. just classic stereotypical dwarf soldiers uh, in a ring around you. Okay, I'm wondering how this works, because I can pick up the sheep and I can, like. Are there any windows in this cell or anything? No, no, you're okay. underground, no windows, but okay. there is the corridor. Yeah, yeah, but I have to get past the dwarves to get into the corridor. Um, how, how long yeah. am I a sheep? Uh, let's check. Um, is it a save against round or not? Uh, sure. do, do, do. Oh, a concentration up to an hour, not a minute, sorry. Uh, spell transforms a creature you can see in range. <laughs> a non only creature must make a wisdom save, blah, blah, blah. Transformation lasts for the duration. Lasts for the duration or until it drops to zero hit points or dies. <laughs> so you're a sheep for an hour. Thanks, Avatar. So you kill thing. the sheep. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it turns over. back into the... Yeah, you're yeah. Right. So I, d- I definitely don't want to kill it. <laughs> There's no question about that. You just have to carry the sheep around. Oh my or, God. or, can I just like tie it up? Like, truss it up with, like, some bed sheets. Like, take the sheets off the bed. Just, like, tie its legs together and leave it on the ground. I would say you don't have the action for that in yeah, this Yeah, yeah, but I could do that. Yeah, I mean, like, it'll be a, I guess, like, a dexterity check for yeah, your... Yeah, okay, um, okay, no worries. We'll time. get there when we get there. In the meantime, um, is there anything within range? Like, can I, oh, I'll pick up a pillow off the bed and throw it at this wall of uh, dwarven ghosts. What happens? Passes right through them. Okay, 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 okay. That's data. <laughs> 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 and I'm just gonna chill for a moment. Yeah, yeah. That's me done. Jackson, it's your go. What is Krav doing? You're now, obviously, you've got the two guards in front of you, and you've got Father Glendower behind you. So, so this dwarf beneath me that I've been, like, stomping on and have now been, like, trying to stab, how dead does he look, or how close to dead? Like, quite badly injured. Uh, let's try and try and work through some of the uh, initiative count, right? So I will uh, I'll try and impale him once more. A nine... Plus, uh, I think eight is going to be seventeen. Hey, they have a high AC, don't they? Seventeen. I'm afraid you yeah. do not hit. <laughs> <sighs> Fuck it. I, 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 I would reckless attack, but I'm surrounded by three enemies, and um, I just yeah, I'll just try my second attack. All right, that one is a ten. Eighteen to that hit. That hits. Nice. Oh, thank fuck. Okay. Well, hey guys, I figured out the AC. Don't talk about it. <laughs> A little bit of, little bit of data. Uh, love data. First up, I get the zealots thing. So that's 1d6. That's 3 plus half my barbarian level. So 7 damage. In addition to that, I then roll 2d6s. So on top of that, 7. 2 4s. So 15. I then add 5 for my strength. Oh, so I 20 love these chunky plus heads. 2. 
plus two for raging. So 22 damage. Your hoof comes down hard on his skull and flattens his head. Oh, good. One of them is out. (laughs) I think, yeah, Krav, like, like, roars triumphantly. Um, and then it's like also aware that there's two people around her and it's just like sick. All right, cool. I guess we're still going. Yep. Don't worry, buddy. Now that I don't have to either kill the sheep or die, I am going to do something else. As you crush the skull of his duty partner, the other guard yells out, no, <laughs> and then swings at you twice <laughs> with his great sword. Um, what's your AC? Does a, does a 15. So he hits you twice and you oh. take. Nine damage. I believe that's five damage. Five damage. <laughs> and then you take seven damage. I take four damage. And then we're around to the sheep. And now what I, I want to know about Moradin the sheep is, is he cerebrally Moradin? Yes. Yes. It's a phys- purely physical transfer. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, I, I retain my mental stats, but I change my physical stats. for. So I will, I will flail around wildly and try and headbutt you. <laughs> As I'm now the avatar of Moradin's favourite roast. (laughs) Does a ten hit you? It sure doesn't, Moradin, you little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably about it for Moradin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the vocalisation? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just stellar foley from everyone today. Uh, Ridge, you you are up. Ridge Racer. Yes, okay. I... Take out my portal gun. I cast a little dimension door. Hey! A fourth level spell. Jump to anywhere within 500 feet. Goodness me. I know the location of. So. Where do you want to go? I guess you're familiar with where the dining hall is. You would have seen the kitchen there. You know where the entrance to the mines is. I think... Rich man that he is is a little bit invested in this beautiful centaur. <laughs> Whole thing. Oh yeah, we yes. we didn't mention Jackson is a sexy female centaur. Yeah. Oh, I was not aware of that. <laughs> so, this just um, gets more and more interesting. Yeah. I'm gonna go get a weapon and come back. So maybe the kitchen. Yeah. 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 A pointy it's implement. A yeah, stabby yeah, yeah. thing. Good call. Nice. Better than my shivs. <laughs> So then you appear in Oh, the... wait, wait, wait. Before I go, I give Krav the beautiful centaur bardic inspiration. Oh, nice. Is that a bonus action? <gasps> bardic oh, inspiration? Cool. fuck yeah. What do you reckon? What do you reckon Ridge... Remind me what... Is that a What do you reckon Ridge says or sings to give him the inspiration? Um... <laughs> Sexy lady. <laughs> <laughs> Riding my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Genuine energy. You see, you see Krav like snort with fury. Yeah. From deep in the rage, Krav is still mad about yeah. that genuine rage. <laughs> yeah. So you dimension door through to the kitchen. You've not actually been inside the kitchen before, though you'd seen the entryway to it. You see all around you there's butcher knives, there's a pig on a spit, and at the far end, there's this huge industrial fire oven where a really gross looking halfling is actually chopping wood. The halfling turns around, sees you, and is like, Oh! (laughs) What are you doing here? (laughs) He doesn't say anything, he just roars. It's 50% of his body, like vocal cords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's half half man, half vocal cord. He goes, Oh, what are you doing here? And as he turns around with his wood axe, you recognise that this is, of course, the cousin of your... Is it Ratchet Steve? Yeah, well, this is Hatchet Steve. Oh, it's Hatchet Steve! I love Hatchet Steve! (laughs) 
Because you would have uh, a free yes. interact as well if you wanted to grab something. Yeah, grab a thing. Okay, I grab the biggest thing. I guess, like, that's probably the pig spit? Probably the pig, really. <laughs> <laughs> or, in fact, no. Near the pig spit, I reckon they have industrial kebab skewers that would be uh, sort of a bit a bit smaller than a pig spit but with a decent length to it and quite pointy. So you're saying a finesse weapon? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pay it, I'll pay it. That could be a finesse weapon. Yeah. I mean, if that's not just like a fine point. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, 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 absolutely. A tiny little doodle. Okay, I go grab it and I turn to Mr. Hatchet Steve and I say, ah, oh, my good friend, uh, we're breaking out of prison today. <laughs> and tips, tips that was fedora. a pitch perfect yeah. Zap Rannigan dude. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that was well, very nice. <laughs> tips nice. his fedora and runs out of the room. Yeah. Which brings us to Father Glendor, who is still enraged by the sight of this sexy centaur and uh, makes another... Um, oh, actually, no, sorry, I completely forgot. Father Glendor... Father Glendua, who, as you'll remember, did remind you that he is not a bad man, has seen... He's, he's saying all of this. He's a weird dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> has seen the awful things you've done to his loyal guardsmen, and he actually casts Spare the Dying on the what? crushed... <laughs> Why does he do that? On the oh, crushed guard. Good no, I love it. I fucking love it. He's a good line an- character. <laughs> <laughs> What an um, absolute fucking is spare the idiot. Dying. <laughs> no, a, he's just spared now. He's just it, stabilized. Now. Yeah, but is it is it an action or? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's an action. Oh, damn. Okay. You could use healing word as a bonus action instead. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he'll use healing word as a bonus action on... If he's bleeding out, yes. Yeah, bleeding out? Yeah, it hasn't been enough rounds. He's still bleeding out. Yeah, okay, cool. So yeah, he uses healing word instead as a bonus action. Now, some would argue that it is probably at the DM's discretion whether getting your head caved in by a rampaging centaur is the kind of thing that is instant death or not. Well, (laughs) what I would say, Ben, is that whilst we did establish in that dark episode where Duncan cut somebody's leg off that healing spells can't regrow limbs... (laughs) In the Tales of Duncania, they can, so that I can describe beautiful violence and then just keep the game. And also, Duncan is not aware of the limitations of his Yes! Yes! This is actually... Because these are the stories he grew up listening to. That's why he thinks it's okay to cut that dude's leg off. They could just put it back on, right? Like, yeah. let's cast some healing yeah, magic, yeah. it'll grow it again. Yeah. yeah, wow, wow. It all feeds into itself. It's, it's all beautiful. canon. It's all in the canon. Yes, he casts Healing Word and then takes a swing at the sexy centaur before him. Also, I have to say, if, if Father if Father Glendower is trying to prove that he's a good man, why would he then, like, build up this initiative account to make this fight go on any longer? He's, like, the most <laughs> evil person we've ever come across in the history of this fucking game. <laughs> proceed, proceed. Because he's good aligned. Yeah, go on. Does a 22 hit you? Yeah. Yes. You take eight weapon damage. Mm-hmm. I take four damage. And then two fire damage. Okay, great. So six total. I've got three t- I've got three turns of rage left, so literally any help at all would be like so cool. How big is this circle of dwarven ghosts? <laughs> non-specific. Uh, no- non-specific. Okay. It's, it's fairly close around you and me. Considering he's uh Oh. If I move carrying the sheep, does the circle move? Yes. Alright, yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry, the circle has disappeared. <laughs> oh fucking A! Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. That's not well, bit. then, carrying the sheep under one arm, I run out into the corridor and I say, Well, we saw what happened to your friend thanks to Bigby's polymorph, Father Glendur. How do you feel about Bigby's blight? I need him to make a constitution saving throw for me. Uh, hang on, before you tell me that, before you tell me that, I, I took all the features that allow me to change roles that I could get my hands on. So, that you could get your big piece magic hands on. Yeah, exactly. So hang on, so hang on. I, I, I don't think I can use Ben Block again. It doesn't actually say, so don't magic, whenever a creature, yeah, just, just cost two sorcery points. I'm going to spend two sorcery points and reduce his saving throw by one. So what is it? Reduce his saving throw by one. Mm-hmm. What's the DC? Uh, 15. He only comes up with a 12. Oh, he's in trouble now with 8d8 of fucking death damage directly into his little body. Alright, so here's four of them. 7, 7, 7, and 3 is pretty good roll. So that's 20, 24 on the first four of those. The second four are 7, 6, 3. So that's 16, 17. So 41, really? All in all, is 41 is the amount that he takes from the Blight. I don't know how he feels about that. So 41? Yeah, 41 is the number that of, of, of light damage that he takes. How does he feel about it in he addition feels, to the fire damage? He feels, I would say, unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> My whole vibe was that Bigby was going to be branding all of these spells and actually doing a bad job, but they've worked pretty well so far. I am nearly out of... So I used both my level 4 spell slots and most of my sorcery points, but I think we're cool. Nice. Is, um, <laughs> right is Moradin still here? He's in ah. the form. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moradin is not well, a concentration a spell. Up. He was summoned by oh. a, a honey-based mm. prayer. Don't worry, I'm cool. <laughs> a honey-based <laughs> prayer that may have been homebrewer. It's all cool, dude. He's nullified. <laughs> He's a sheep. So that was your action. I guess yep. you moved out into the corridor as well. I'm in the corridor. So that brings us round to Krav. Okay, um, well, I guess has this person just started moving up ahead of me? Like, like have, they, have they woken up? Like, because they got healed, right? Yeah, they, they've come to, but they haven't moved yet, because you're moving more quickly. Yeah. So they've, like, just come to, beneath your feet. He still looks hell fucked up, obviously. Alright, um, I rolled a 12, so that's 20 to hit. Um, I'm just gonna... How, how much was the healing word, da- like, damage? Well, you don't know, but it's a very weak spell. Well, that's what I... Yeah. My, my point... It doesn't, doesn't matter. Whatever. I, I press my hoof down into his face. Um, <laughs> it's... Like, as in, like, exact... Like, quite quite gently, I line it up to where, where like, the impression has, like, healed back up, and I just, like, slowly push it back down again. <laughs> slowly yeah. smoosh it into the corridor. Yeah. As I'm doing that, I'm starting to attack the other dwarf. But as I'm pressing down, it'll be a d6. Oh, six. That's plus five. So that's, uh, that's 11 already. I've got more dice to roll. Do you want me to? Or so like... I think you stomp this guy's face <laughs> and it's smushed. And then you lift your hoof up and Father Glendower says some words behind you and the face reforms underneath your foot and then you press your foot back down and it's just like you're watching like a gif that's just looping. Oh. And it's just like the same... <laughs> the same... <laughs> yeah, a boomerang. It's like, it's like a boomerang of watermelon head. Oh. <laughs> and he's dead again. Oh, what are you no. doing with your second attack? Yeah, I mean, I now use my greatsword to attack the other dude. Okay, that's an 18 plus 8, 26. That hits. 26, so 9 plus 5, 14 plus 2 for rage. So 16 damage on that first one. 16 damage? Cool, cool. Gnarly. He did like not enjoy that. 16 is still good. Yeah, it's yeah. not like 28 yeah, no, or whatever. 16 is a good, good hit. He does not enjoy it at all. And in fact, he swings back at you. 
two swipes from his greatsword. He's now cre- like screaming and crying, having lost his patrol partner twice in a row. And now the warden as well has dropped dead next to him. This guy is horrified. Is he still attacking? Yeah. Jesus. He's a good dwarf. Yeah. He's fighting to the death. Can I roll a free can I roll a free intimidation, dude? Like, is that something I can do here? Um <laughs> you 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 can roll an intimidation check if you want. Yeah, I can. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Keeping in mind, it's it's not a strong suit for Krav, but uh, <laughs> uh nineteen take one, so eighteen intimidation. Pretty good, really. Well he gets pretty poor on his save. I'm going to say he actually runs away from you down the hallway towards the dining hall. <laughs> um, and now it's Moradin's turn, and I suppose Moradin probably... I'm glad that he left my um, sphere of influence so I can now at- uh, at- attack him again with my great Because that's an attack um, of opportunity. Oh, so hang on, are you taking an attack of opportunity on the guy as he runs away? Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, roll, roll the attack. 17 plus 8, 25. That hits. A 6 and a 1, 7, plus 5, 12, plus 2, 14. 14. Oh, that is a spicy hit. Yeah, so now, yeah, it's Moradin's go. Yep, with a mighty headbutt. He gets <laughs> he, he a crits. crit. Yep, headbutt crit, so go on. Four, seven damage. Oh yeah. boy, that's a pretty chunky headbutt from that's the That's the best sheep. a sheep has it's ever done. literally like, I'm just holding the sheep and it just fucking butts me in the face. It's just like... Yeah, you also okay. don't have a lot of health, dude. Yeah, exactly. I'm ne- like that. That was a sizable proportion of my remaining health. <laughs> I'm on eleven hit points. Don't lose concentration. Yeah, another good sheep headbutt. Oh Jesus! I have to take a save, don't I? Uh, yeah, I guess. Oh, you yeah, do. You do. I can't. A concentration save for taking yeah. damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christ on a bike. Okay. Oh, no. um, I think it's only DC 10. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use another luck point here because this is critical. <laughs> so, uh, okay, how does that work? I, I, do it, I do it after I roll before I determine the outcome. Okay, roll. Con save is a 19. So cool. Okay. Easy, easy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. That's dangerous. So, Ridge's turn. Yeah, what, what do you do now? That you, so you're in the kitchen, you've just grabbed this weapon. Well, I've just used both of my level four spell slots. So <laughs> so fine, buddy. Dimension door back. So I'm just bursting out of the food hole and yelling on guard with my big stick. I yeah. Guess. <laughs> so I guess as you leave the kitchen and enter the dining hall, what you see is this frightened guard who's just entered the dining hall is running straight towards the alarm bell at the door of the barracks. Are there other prisoners in the dining hall? Is anyone in the dining uh, hall? No one's in the dining hall at the moment because it's night time. Why are we inciting a prisoner here? Okay. So you've, you've just entered, you know, probably just the start of your movement to get you into the dining hall and what you see is this guard is running, for the, running for the alarm bell at the, at the front of the barracks. Um, get him! Get him! Shish kebab him! I... <laughs> Can she get there? Can I get there? I would say you can get to a position where you'd be between him and the bell. You can't get straight to him now. Okay, well, I, I cast a spell then, um, and it's going to be... Oh, do you have whole person again? Yeah, I do. Or charm person. I've got charm person. <laughs> this is also possible. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> charm person. Charm person for sure, dude. We've had some good history with charm person. <laughs> I, I cast charm person. <laughs> <laughs> this falls into the Zach Brannigan thing too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go ahead and, and, and give us one of the... What, what exactly does Ridge say to charm the startled guard? Ah, my good man. <laughs> what it, stay in the uh, tarry a bit. Okay, cool. 
So how does this spell work? There may be an element of like, if you're already in the middle of killing him, it doesn't necessarily... It makes a wisdom saving throw and does with advantage if your companions are fighting it. But we're not currently. He's running away. Oh, no, you are currently. But he doesn't know who she is. He doesn't know that they're, that we're... Were you invisible when yeah, you Yeah, the whole time. Are you invisible now? Yeah. No. When did you lose it? Because I cast a dimension door. Is that a concentration spell? You're still invisible, dog. Okay. <laughs> so do you want to end the invisibility? Because uh, this guy will have no clue that you're associated with them. <laughs> is charm concentration? No, so you can remain invisible. It's just a question of like... You'll be charming him as an invisible voice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what's 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 your yeah, yeah, which yeah. is to be fair quite nice. charming. Yeah. yeah, I'm your childhood imaginary friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Bonzo. Um, <laughs> so, this is your deity speaking. Okay, so he takes he takes his wisdom save. What's your DC? B15. He it? fails. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so he now thinks you're his friend. What do you say to him? I say, hey, uh, help an old spirit out, won't you? Tell me the Tell me the direction to the exit. Okay, so he basically points to the barracks and is like, oh, the exit's through there. Buddy, <laughs> just uh, pop into the kitchen there. There's a nice cup of tea brewing <laughs> over the stove. <laughs> good oak, good oak. Um, that then is probably like your action and your move. Comes round to Father Glendow, who's dead on the ground. Then we get to Big B's. Big B's turn. Okay, yeah, so turn. I see... see- no opponents before me. Yeah, no. So, so, uh, Kral is still raging, correct? I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah t- t- two turns of rage, yeah. Keeping in mind that technically everything that's happened has been within a minute. Yep. Because, like, I took two turns to, to rush down the door, and then we've had about six turns of combat. Yep, yep, And yep, so I'm this just... is where we are. Like, it's, yeah. th- this, this adventure has been three hours of us discussing 50 seconds of <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so so Bigby definitely, whilst trying to truss up the legs of this sheep that is now threatening to actually kill him, um, <laughs> tries to calm Krav down. And it's like, uh, hey, uh, Krav, why don't you settle down there, buddy? And, and sort of walks past Krav and is like, everything's cool. We got these guys. Uh, gonna go see if I can find either a ridge or a way out of here. Uh... I'm going. I'm going down this way, and I head off towards the, the the same direction, like the barracks where that guard ran off from. And I'm going to try and, and tie up the legs of this sheep. Yeah, good. Oh, okay. Do I need to uh, do you want to make a dexterity check? Yeah, cool. So how do you? What, what, what do you want? Sleight of hand. Whatever you want. What do you? What, what's yeah, yeah, like, like dexterity. Check? I was saying, yep. if you want to use sleight of hand, that's, I don't have that's, sleight of hand. So yeah, it's just going to be yeah. straight dex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be a four on the tying uh, of the legs of the sheep. <laughs> so what does that look like? Does it look it, like I've it, done a shitty job? It looks like you've like tied the knot, except none of the bits have gone together. Yeah, I, I've tied a, a ring around each of the legs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Surely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Does Krav notice this? <laughs> Do anything about it, or what's the deal? Oh, I don't think this is not one of those checks where like you've you've done a bad job. Yeah. But like, if you tie a bad knot, you can normally see. Okay. You've tied a can bad I try knot. again? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, I think I think if if you've got like a ten, you might think it was a good knot, but a four, you know, you've fucked it. I did get a 12. Um, I am wondering... So I think the 12 looks decent to you. So and that's probably as much time as you have to... Okay, as I'm walking right down now. to the barracks. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, then, so you're heading down to the dining hall, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With its um, tied up legs with the 12, as soon as I'm in the dining hall, 
I just place it on its back with its legs up in the air, tied up in this little string, and uh, leave leave the sheep on the ground there. Of course, it is totally immobile, as it's not its turn. Yeah, exactly. As you enter the dining hall, you don't see Ridge, because Ridge is invisible. Yep. What you do see is the guard hurrying towards the kitchen, because its friendly spirit voice uh-huh. told it it should head to the ward's kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as it heads towards the kitchen... Hatchet Steve comes out of the kitchen with his wood axe and a jar of some sort of honey-based beverage, (gasps) hits the guard square in the face with his hatchet, (laughs) and he's like, yeah, we're breaking out of prison. (laughs) So this now has all the elements of a good prison break, which includes a riot, stealing shit from the kitchen to use as equipment, and also getting one of the... And a centaur. Yeah, centaur and the staff members on side. So we're doing a good job here. (laughs) Hatchet says, come with me, we can get out through the garbage disposal. Yes! (laughs) Shut down all the trash compactors on the detention level. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. That brings us round to Krav's turn. Does Krav have a last name? Stomp. It's probably Magar, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, they invented Krav Magar as, like, an homage to her. Her name is actually Krav Magar. She's she's a centaur folk hero. Krav has, like, calmed down out of her rage and, look, honestly might say a sentence in a character voice for the second time this episode, if we're lucky, uh, depending on how much longer we, we, we roll along. I guess... So Hatchet Steve has come out and started attacking the guard. Are we... Oh, he just put a hatchet, like, clean through the guard's face. Like, the, the, guard, the guard died. Yeah. Wow. Hatchet Steve is so powerful. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I mean, Krav is, like, dude, very really into Hatchet Steve. Steve. Dude, dude, you'd severely yeah. injured that guard already. Yeah. And also, Hatchet Steve uh, spends true. all day chopping wood. Apparently, he's a master. Hatchet, Hatchet Steve, Steve is yoked. He's, he's named after jet. the axe in his head. Yeah, I suppose being literally named after an axe gives like, you a Steve certain... is their surname. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. oh my god, this um, whole thing yeah, has been I think a mistake, but it hasn't all been about Hatchet Steve. Yeah. <laughs> this episode has to be called <laughs> The Ballad of Hatchet Steve. Um, yeah, I think let's head through the kitchen then, if we can uh, yeah, yeah. get out of this... Uh... Get out of this prison. I think if the kitchen's an option, and that means I'm assuming that there's some, like, pantries and cabinets, I'm going to tuck the sheep in one of those and then bar the door of it with, like, a kitchen implement through the handles well, of the cabinet. So the sheep's now like, dude, take, t- take the dwarf guard's uh, greatsword. Yeah, and just, like, put, it through the, put it through the handles of the, of the cabinetry. So the sheep's now tucked up in there. And in an hour, we're going to turn back into an avatar of Morrowind yeah. tucked up in this little cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> You guys have regrouped in the kitchen then? Is that the point? Mm-hmm. I think and we're you've, out. you've jammed the, <laughs> the, the Moradin sheep in the kitchen cabinet. Then Hatchet Steve sh- takes you over. He opens up this huge metal lid on a tunnel at, at the side of the kitchen. Do any of you speak Dwarven? I do, actually, yeah. No. Speak yep. Dwarvish. Yeah, bring it on. You notice runes on the lid that say danger... Beehive. <laughs> no. <laughs> It says, danger, garbage disposal. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Are there any, like, switches or levers to activate or deactivate things in the garbage disposal? Or No. Uh, Hatchet Steve, uh, when you said, uh, yeah, are we going to die? <laughs> Is this, it, it clearly says garbage disposal up there. Uh, yeah, there's a way out, right? Am I with you guys? Yeah, yeah. we're all in the kitchen. Yeah, you're yeah. Just, you're just in they, the they all started just doing things, and I was like, I mean, there's no... 
enemies, so you can't. Yeah, we are just out of initiative. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> um, how is it the way out if it's the garbage disposal? All we have to do is jump down the garbage disposal, perfectly time our <laughs> grab onto the ledge where the bees travel through the garbage <laughs> before we hit the how big blender. See, I, I'm half a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Grab with your human bits. This might not be a centaur-sized plan. Well, okay. I'm doing it. And Hatchet Steve jumps in the garbage disposal, and you hear him going, <laughs> down a slide. Now, i got to quickly check whether the spell fly is concentration, and whether or not I'm going to use that spell right now. <laughs> you really tied my hands and this sheep's legs, T. <laughs> I assume beyond deadly rated encounter at the beginning of the session. Well, you could just. Why is concentration? So I'm just jumping down the chair. But you can just let him turn back into. Somehow I don't think that's a good idea! Because he's gonna be coming for us! But he'll be locked in the cupboard! I'm pretty sure the avatar of Moradin will find a way out of the cupboard that he's stuck in. I was thinking the sheep can't get out of there while it's still in sheep form. But you could jump and then cast fly. Yeah, but then he'd be fucking coming on our heels, I expect, for the remainder of the session. I'm not doing any other concentration spells. This next hour is all about keeping the avatar in sheep form for me. I can't take any damage. I have to be protected. This is critical. Such a fun session for John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, John. Yeah, oh, yeah. no, no, I enjoy an inventive solution. <laughs> <laughs> What's your decision? I jump down the tube. Yeah. Have you got any spells that can help? You've got slow fall, probably, Gracie. I have featherfall. Yeah. Oh, if you can featherfall all of us, that would be just. Dynamite. I think featherfall's a group. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Up, up to, to five. five. Oh, very good. Very good. Okay. Uh, okay, so Hatchet Seaver's just jumped you, Fedora down. Fedora Man. <laughs> <laughs> so now there's the three of you. Yep. Yeah, Rich is like, my lady, Crab, I will save you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry about a thing. And um, yeah, I cast Fall <laughs> on all of us. On all of us, and down we go. And so you all jump down. Yep. Yep. In further fall. You all jump down. You're mm-hmm. falling slowly down this chute. You can hear Hatchet Steve kind of like, <laughs> with glee as he goes down. Then you see beneath you, because you're moving quite slowly so you can see what's happening quite clearly. He's dropping really quickly. He gets to a certain point where a tunnel comes through the dropping chute. And he tries to grab onto the ledge of that tunnel. Fails. His grip kind of like slams him against the side. He's falling. And drops down into a mechanised huge blender at the bottom. And you watch Hatchet Steve get torn to tiny pieces of flesh. He yells, Hatchet Steve, my oldest and closest friend. We came into prison on the same day. I can't believe he's dead. He saved my life in a prison fight on the first day we were here. This is all backstory about Hatchet Steve. (laughs) And you're all, I suppose... Uh, It was the better story, to be fair. Weeping as you fall slowly (laughs) to be level with this tunnel. Do you guys want to try and, like, grab that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, What does Featherfall do exactly? Oh, I don't know. Um, Slows to 60 feet per round. 60 feet per round is still relatively quick, but not crazy quick compared to falling. So what I'll say is you can all make a strength or dexterity check with with advantage from the slow fall. Okay, fantastic. 
That is a 15, is my best roll. I'm wondering whether I should spend another luck point <laughs> to roll that again. My best is 15 as well. <laughs> well, then we'll go down together if we die. <laughs> so 15 it shall be. And Jackson, what's your best? 12 plus... What, what's the um, the modifier again? Is it strength? You can choose. So 12 plus 5, 17. Well, with that, you all just... Grab onto the Ooh, ledge. Was 15 the DCT? Yeah. Seems high. <laughs> we had advantage. Okay. It was deliberately high. Yeah, wow. And you pull yourselves up into this tunnel, and you can see ahead of you a light at the end of the tunnel, and hundreds of bees <laughs> are moving up and down the tunnel, both towards the light and away from the light into the mountain. Okay. Are they um, alerted to our presence? The bees? Yeah. Well, I mean, the bees, they're just flying around. They don't, they don't seem to be paying you any heed. Okay. Any bead? <laughs> uh, I guess we just go down the bee hole. <laughs> <laughs> Better than going down the bee hole. No. The no. I think it's strictly the same. <laughs> Does this Zap Brannigan oh. fuck enjoy that comment? Yes, sir. <laughs> so, what do you guys do? You head, you head down the b-hole? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wander on down the b-hole. Slowly at first. <laughs> yeah. And as you venture slowly down the b-hole, you get a clearer and clearer view of a field of flowers outside the mountain. <gasps> Where the bees are collecting pollen to make honey. <gasps> and travelling back and forth like a oh. little army of workers. So this is something we didn't really get to, but Big B is really into bees. And in fact, his house sigil is a stylized bee. If you know your D&D history, that is actually the sigil of House Big B, which is so fucking funny, by the way, Wizards of the Coast. Well done. And so I think Big B, Daryl Big B, is very, very vibing of this whole bee honey-gathering situation. Probably a single tear weeps down his cheek as he sees this field of bees. And as you emerge out into this field of flowers, you notice the bees are dispersing and heading in all sorts of directions, some into the mountain, some away from the mountain altogether, some just straight up into the air. And then corpses start raining down around you. What? Corpses? Mostly of school children. What? And you see high above at the top of the mountain the queen bee slaughtering the school children who had come to witness her. Huh? And you are free, but school children reign dead all around you. What? And Duncan turns to the camera and says, So the moral of the story is, what? you can break the rules, but if you do, you might kill the priest who's controlling the worker bees, and then the bees might kill the kids. a morality tale as opposed to the other tales of Duncania which have been all about Duncan's personal fetishes this one is specifically about why you shouldn't break the rules because children die yeah man Krav is true neutral she doesn't give yeah. a fuck you're she's, all she's, free. she's galloping on out of there but Jody gives yeah. a fuck how does Jody feel about this story back in the frame narrative listen um 
Jody actually feeling very comfortable at home. He actually nodded off like three hours into like the single round of combat. Um, and so little, little Jody's having a cute little snooze. Oh, I, I like He's probably having some fucked up nightmares though. Yeah, yeah. thinking about bee stings. I think, okay, I think Big B, uh, Daryl Big B, is horrified at what he has wrought. And uh, I don't even know. Like he, he He's always like thought bees were cool, but I think now he's just really fucking skeezed out by them like that's gross but just killed a bunch of kids that's a whole paradigm shift yeah yeah so that's what's happened to Daryl Bigby as a result of this I guess Krav's galloping away Bigby's questioning his life what is uh what is Ridge up to Krav wait for me (laughs) (laughs) Krav Krav runs even faster Jesus. Hey, that was a really good birthday present to you, was making me sit in a field raining dead children. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Such nice damage you've dealt with. I hope you enjoyed the tale of the bee day. <laughs> I guess that. <laughs> that really is what I it is. Shall henceforth be known for centuries. <laughs> day of the bee. Yeah. <laughs> How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Thomas Owen, Grace Chappell, Ben McAllister, and Jackson Newsom. Editing by Ben McAllister. You can find details of all the music in the show notes. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where Grace talks with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them, or still interested, where we look at film and TV that has been rebooted or remade and try to figure out why they thought it was a good idea. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. in the kitchen. We pull in close to the cupboard. The great sword jamming its doors rattles abrasively. <laughs> and then from inside we hear... That's that should fun. be like the um, post credit. Yeah, that'll be the post credit yeah. sting. Yeah. Oh, next, 